Yeah, me too. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. I, I, uh, I needed, by the way, a heads up. <laughs> I didn't actually I realize. Well, I said, yeah, well, first of all, you keep an eye on the clock, too. You know, the show starts no, no, every no, no, night no. at 10. I, I, I'm not blaming you. I I just needed a heads up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hey, happy that hey, I... Show starting. Um, just happy that I didn't say that totally objectionable, morally repugnant thing. I don't know yes. what that was. But uh, George Sedano, uh, ESPN, joining us momentarily. Andy, you know you've got a good guest when he says, I might be a few minutes late. I'm doing a segment for Sports Center. I big, know. Big, big time television show, Sports Center. It a lot is. of people are familiar with it. Um, so George is going to be joining us uh, soon. Obviously, you know him from the television and from 710 ESPN. And uh, a great night to have George on because there is a shitload of stuff to to go through to say the very least um we'll talk about daryl morey we'll talk about uh you know all the stuff that's going on in the nba but i i hate that we have to start with this stuff um what's with the blues we'll start with this what's with the blues beanie i'm from st louis i love the blues and when i now use this ethernet cable to keep such a nice connection to the show um, I have to open, we have this little, like one of those California basements, which is not really a basement, it's just where the water heater goes, but it lets all the cold air into the house. And so like, I'm cold. And so I put my little hat on because I don't get to keep, I have no hair to keep my, my the, these, by the way, are the sacrifices that Brian makes to entertain you people. Yes. So if you're not going to send money, at least give him your thanks. Like, yeah, like cold. this is Brian putting himself on the equivalent of the front lines. Like this yeah. is as close that Brian will ever be to being a first responder. Well, like, that, do you, right remember, you remember Andy, when, when the rules about who was allowed to leave the house during the initial lockdown came out, uh, radio, radio people and podcasters were considered yes. uh, essential and allowed to leave the house. So once again, as we've done before, uh, you're welcome. America. That was also so, too one of those moments where you realize that you know the the good people with like the CDC and HHS, you know, I, I'm who sure also they're all probably have a podcast. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm sure they're all trying to do their best or whatever. They, I think, at that point, you realize they're not very familiar with the technology that goes into podcasting and radio because, yeah. as we all learned. You don't have to go anywhere to do this stuff. Nope, absolutely not. Um, so we'll also before the show is over, we will ask. Uh, the age-old question, how much money would you pay to be locked in an enclosure with a Black Panther? Um, and not, by the way, no, an activist. Not like We're talking about a Black Panther. Panther. Actual, yeah. like, <laughs> not <laughs> not yeah. Oakley Carmichael. Like, <laughs> I mean, an actual I, Black Panther. I just, I just want to clarify, because if, if you misinterpret that, you're thinking that's a really strange and potentially dicey question. It is to be asking. <laughs> a lot of levels. I mean, um, even for the wokest of white people, that, that could, that could uh, feel uh, like you're right. going into a weird direction. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, the person who chooses to get into the the enclosure with the animal is also going in a weird, yeah, and it but it's out very direction. Very no, different. Right. It does require clarification. I appreciate you doing that for me. Um, so, uh, obviously again, a lot to get into tonight. Um, and I, I hate that we have to start here because how long did it take Andy for the conversation to switch from, whoa, the Dodgers won their first world series in 32 years to what the fuck was Justin Turner doing on the field? Oh, no. Well, how about like, just 30 seconds? What, what happened with Justin Turner 
period. Because in around the eighth inning, it gets noted during the broadcast that he just got pulled from the game because he tested positive for COVID. Right. Which, which in and of it, forget before Justin Turner was eventually on the field, uh, apparently violating Major League Baseball's edict to stay away from everybody else. He's on the field for the celebration. The question in and of itself of, wait a minute, he tested positive and the positive test came up during this game. No, what I'm going to need some information. There was more and more has come out. Like, you know, what it was was an inconclusive test. And it was interesting. Jason Stark at The Athletic had uh, an epidemiologist on. Yes, it's a and very good interview. It's a great interview. And if you, we'll tweet it out during the show. But if you haven't seen it, Jason Stark, great baseball writer, had an epidemiologist and asked him some of these questions like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, Justin Turner had an inconclusive positive test. Should he have been allowed to heading play? Heading into the game. So people understand. Head, heading into the into game. the game. Correct. And so you would think, I guess, I mean, probably most people, would probably think um, that that guy would say, "Oh no, you got to you got to pull him off the field. You can't let him play." His uh, his thing was, "No, I, I would have. I think it would have. I would have let him play. I don't think I had a problem." Like, and this was an epidemiologist, you know, a guy who would know. Oh, in part because baseball had gone so long without any kind of positive test, and these guys have been essentially quarantined in that sort of self quarantine amongst their yes. team bubble. And so he's like, and, and false positives happen a lot. And so his thought was, there's a very good chance that that would have been a false positive or like the inconclusive would have come back negative. And, then, and it turned out, no. And so like that part of it, which was, I think, a mystery for a lot of people, like how was he playing with a positive test? Well, he kind of wasn't. But at the same time, it's you know it still raises questions for people. I, I got to be honest. I mean, in this interview, which again with Jason Stark on the Athletic, people should read because and and this this particular epidemiologist uh, I, I've seen in a lot of different media spaces and, and very very informative, but said that the chances of it being positive in their estimation, you know, given the context you were talking about before and then the possibilities of false positive that sort of thing was at 10%, which may seem low, except I guarantee if baseball had to try to explain, hey, it was only a 10% chance, and that's why we let him go out on the field, they'd get crushed, and I would say rightly. I am... Um... I mean, if I'm really being honest about it. No, I understand. And, and I don't I don't think there's a right answer here. And I don't think there's necessarily a wrong. I mean, the flip side is, you know, for a 90, you know, this is the this is the world that they have chosen to put uh to stage a world series in. So like you have to be prepared for this sort of thing to happen. But you know, for a 90% chance that something, you know, again, we're we're using his numbers, not ours, but for a 90% chance that um a test comes back as a false positive or, you know, he tests negative, you're kind of fundamentally altering the, the you know, potential outcome <laughs> of the world series. Like there's a lot Jay, going on here. Jay Franco G asked, was the epidemiologist named Dr. McDodger? Fan? <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sector Cruz says I work in a hospital laboratory and that was our topic the entire day. Justin Turner. I just, I, I don't, it is in its, it's fascinating because I mean, Justin Turner is so, I mean, this, the mechanics of this gets into like, you know, did it, Major League Baseball have the right protocols? Like, would, did they have good rules set up 
for contingencies and stuff like that. The the most amazing question is what would have happened if the Dodgers lost that game? Like, how the hell do they handle this? Do you do you have to quarantine like all the Dodgers? Do you like who get who is well, allowed to play in game seven? Like, when do you play game seven? I don't like, know. I mean, I don't know stuff. I don't know what the limits in terms of rapid, like rapid testing, you know, at that type of turnover that they'd be looking for, you know, essentially 24 hours or less I later. About, I think it's less about rapid testing as it is about the incubation period for people who might have been exposed by Turner. I, so I don't know. It's, it's it's like when you. Yeah. Were, yeah. You're right. It you're has right. less to do with that. They no, no, you're correct. You're correct. You're, you're correct. Fortunately, um, we'll never find out. Yeah. The one, I mean, conc- the one concrete thing, though, that we do know that we saw was that he was supposed to leave kind of and be isolated. And I picture him like, you know, behind a, a plastic sheet or in one of those like big hamster like balls rolling around the locker or the clubhouse or whatever. But he's not supposed to be mixing with his teammates. He's not supposed to be isolated. And Certainly like, not without a mask. <laughs> right. And 15, minutes, 15 minutes later, he's like out on the field without a mask, taking pictures and stuff. It was a bad, and I love Justin Turner. He is a really good person. I'm not, this is, it was a terrible look. I mean, here, here's look. the thing. I mean, Justin Turner has had, you know, he's been with the Dodgers for a long time. He has had for a long time a reputation as a great guy, great teammate, great leader, terrific in the community, very generous. We, we've been, you know, in this, in this particular market a long time. You know, we are, in and out in terms of you know our time around the Dodgers, but I've never heard a bad thing about Justin Turner, and that's telling for how long he's been with this team. So th- this act of going out on the field and celebrating when he was told not to, and common sense says you clearly shouldn't, yeah. that is an irresponsible, selfish act that doesn't take away who Justin Turner is on balance. Like no, he no, remained no. right, but that being said, it was a selfish irresponsible act george sedano <laughs> that was a weird seg <laughs> bringing you in but no choice how are you hi sorry i'm late let me uh fix okay my... no we as we explained to people you were on a little startup television show called sports center um and so we totally understand um that that this thing works we appreciate you coming on man how you doing good to see you uh, I'm good. It's great to see you guys too. Uh, I'm trying to fit in my little box, which is. Let me ask you a question. Do you prefer this? Do you feel? Oh like yeah, a little yeah, more yeah. I like that better. Yeah. There you go. We're done. We're here to give Sedano all the space he needs. Okay. So what's <laughs> up? Literally. How much, man? How are you? Are you uh, what? What was the? Uh, what was the haps on the Sports Center? What? What? What did you guys uh, oh, dig deep we, into? We were talking about Daryl Morey, and then we did some. Uh, they do like a gimmick with me. Um, for football, which is kind of uh, uh, what he said, what he meant. Um, and for example, today was Mike McCarthy uh, basically blasting everybody who's not the quarterback. And uh, my uh, re- interpretation of, it, of that was, hey, I'm about to get fired. So since these guys already ran me under the bus, I'm going to run them under the bus as long as they're not the quarterback. That quickly. <laughs> that would be amazing if, if yeah. the turnaround. I mean, Dude, you guys have covered a lot of teams. Not that we need to go into Cowboy talk for a long time. But when the players in week six are already talking about you don't teach, you're not prepared, that's never a good sign. How is that? Because this is, to me, like they they were all over Mike McCarthy in the offseason. It's like this is, you know, like it's going to be the dawn of a new thing. Like And 
is it really possible he could be gone next year? Yeah. I mean, it's not That's really easy. It's not really Jerry's MO to do that. I mean, we saw what he did with Jason Garrett, right? Like he gives everyone a little time, um, at least a couple of years. But if it's that bad, I mean, if it's that toxic a situation and it seems like it is, according to reports, like you kind of have to believe that they're going to have to make some changes or Jerry's just going to have to get rid of the entire damn team, which look in football, I know people say it's easier to fire the coach and the player, but how many guys in football are expendable as far as your roster's concerned? I mean, probably if out of your 53-man roster, easily 20 or 30, like you can just interchange. That feels generous. From year I mean, to that, year, at least. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that that actually feels pretty generous in terms of, uh, I, I feel like you could even go higher. Right, you might be able to, yeah. So I, I just think that that's the way that he could look at it. But clearly, when the players hate you uh, after six <laughs> weeks, that's not a good thing. So, okay, so we were talking before about Justin Turner and, yeah. you know, both the going on the field and celebrating, which baseball says they told him strictly do not do, and he did right. anyway, but also, too, just him actually in this game with baseball knowing that he had an inconclusive test, you know, which eventually leads to this eighth inning positive, and, and the whole thing is weird. And uh, Jason Stark did an interview with an epidemiologist who said that in, in the epidemiologist's estimation, there was only about a 10% chance they were guessing that that inconclusive would end up positive and conceded wrong. But I feel like baseball, if they had to explain, hey, it was only a 10% chance in our estimation that he'd be positive, so we let him play, they'd get crushed for that explanation. Yeah, they would get crushed. Although it's better than the explanation that they've given, which is basically, um, yeah, it's all his fault. You know, <laughs> they are you know? so looking for a scapegoat in this. Right. And, and they are just let, dumping it all on him, um, which, look, he deserves criticism. I'm not trying to deny that. Like, here's the way I look at it. And I, I've kind of explained this today on, on the air a couple of times. And it's if it were me in his shoes, I would have followed the protocols. Now, I'm also someone who has a really good friend who's been on a ventilator for more than three months. You know what I mean? So I think oh, my wow. perspective on it is also different, right? So, and, and this was someone fully healthy, uh, no pre-existings, right? Like, you know, six, seven years older than I am, you know, not not old. I don't think I'm old. Like I'm I'm old by young people's standards. You look amazing, George. By old people's standards. You look fantastic. Um, and, and thank you. And uh, so I, I just look at it as I have that kind of perspective and I wouldn't have done it. Now, the thing I come back to and I say to myself, I can understand it. I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm just explaining right. the behavior, right? And I can understand a once-in-a-lifetime situation. He's already been in the dugout with his guys for X amount of innings while he's already clearly been positive. And that those guys, as grown-ass men, felt it was fine to have him on the field with them. So in that regard... I guess I'm sort of okay not chastising them because they're taking their own life in their own hands and their own health in their own hands. Well, the problem hands. is it doesn't work like that though. No, I mean, I, because otherwise I, we could all we could all just handle COVID that way. And large population, a large part of the population is unfortunately. I, I get it. But what if you look at the group of people that were on that field, it was a in theory, it is a small amount of people, right? Right. So if those consenting adults 
feel like they want him out there, that's your bleeping problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like the same position I took with, you know, and obviously it's not apples to apples, but in like the PED era, you know, people were like, steroids, bad, bad. And I'm like, not necessarily. You know what I mean? Like PEDs actually can be good for you. Um, not that COVID is good for you, but my point is this. When someone <laughs> inject in their body. That's, that's the part where it's not apples to apples, correct? Correct. <laughs> Just to make right. sure I understand. But if someone Follow. wanted to ingest something or inject right. something into their body, that's on them. So these consenting adults want to have them around and want to risk their own health. That's on them. It was an inter- it was somebody made an interesting point. I forget it was like it, you wonder if in a week cuz I mean in in the moments your guys it's the world series. You've I mean it's not and it's not just this season. It's not just you know you went through 60 games in this sort of semi bubble and the play like this is a path that these guys have been on for years with monumental disappointments together that have been to get there. I mean and in the moment to be like, you know what? I feel fine. Everyone around me, like we get tested all the time. It's like, it's, 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 we're outside. It's there are so many ways I feel like in the moments with that adrenaline and this, you know, what you, what you've just accomplished, I can understand how you can come to that conclusion and say, I, I want to be out there with my team and how his teammates would be like, we want JT. I mean, it's, it's, we're not talking about, you know, no disrespect intended Dylan Floro. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you'll be like, you know what, Dylan Floro, you go quarantine because if I, I'm not going down with your strand of Justin Turner's variety of COVID, I'll risk it, but not you. I, yeah, I, I look, get it. Got, I get it. Got, I don't. I don't condone. Like you wonder if in a week you'd be like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Like hopefully nobody right. catches it. And there's, it, it is not fair to say like Justin Turner turned the post game into a surefire super spreader event because that's not how this works either. Right. But he exposed people to unnecessary risk. Here, here's no what I would say is a good comparison. Rudy Gobert, we don't know, gave Donovan Mitchell COVID. For all we know, Donovan Mitchell gave it to Rudy Gobert. But Rudy Gobert's irresponsibility in terms of how he was treating COVID, you know, not just in, in that presser where he was touching all the different uh, reporters, recorders and stuff like that, but apparently in the locker room he was being, you know, touchy and stuff like that and and bothering his teammates. I think that's what upset Donovan Mitchell, you know, right. more than like definitively knowing this teammate gave me COVID. Right. And, and even in the presser, and I took umbrage with the way he acted at the presser. As did I. Because, uh, you know, look, those two situations to me are different. And I was hard on Rudy Gobert. Dan Levitard still makes fun of me because I said I would have suspended him for at least a game or two. Um, and by the way, the league clearly thought about it because um, I'm trying to remember. Chris Haynes reported the league will not suspend or fine Rudy Gobert. So right. they clearly thought about it if, if they had to actually put that news out there. Um, but I think the difference in like that press conference with Rudy Gobert is that he's touching stuff that those reporters didn't want him touching their stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas in this Dodger situation, these consenting adults, again – I know that's not how it works, but they were like, I'm willing to take the risk, whatever the risk is, to have our teammate there. Um, Now, Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported earlier today that the Dodgers uh, all tested negative um, and that the only people that did not come back on the charter were JT and his wife. So now, look, you can test negative one day and a day or two later can test positive. It's very possible. 
Um, but at least for now, it looks like they could be potentially. And that's, and that's obviously the hope. And again, I, I, I think I, I have tried really hard over the, as we all are going through this sort of COVID journey together mm-hmm. to not be reactionary, to sort of learn as much as I can and be like, what's safe? What, how does this thing spread? And all that, like, it is not fair to say he, like everybody around him now has, that's not how this works, but it's a matter of risk. The other question I had was, how would your wives handle it if like you had COVID and you started giving her kisses and stuff? Like my wife would not like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think she would, she would, she'd be like, get away from me. No. Yeah. I, I think that, right. I, I mean, I think that Mrs. Sedano would probably <laughs> be like, okay, you're sleeping in the office on yes. the bed behind me. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and that's kind of how it's going to work for 14 days. <laughs> and I will pass food to you like Quasimodo. You know, <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. No, I, I can tell you right now. She uh, actually yeah. probably built one of those little sliding <laughs> doors inside right. the, just in case. Yeah. This this particular Mrs. Kamenetsky, because there's obviously a different Ms. Ka- uh, Mrs. Kamenetsky. Yeah. Uh, mine, I'm not even sure would allow me to still be living in our place. Like, I don't think she'd want to ostracize me. But at the same time, we have a child to account for. Unfortunately, both my my mother-in-law and sister-in-law on her side have dealt with COVID. I mean, like it's something she is very aware of, you know, very understandably. I do think I'd be given uh, quite the Heisman in this situation. Yeah. It's funny because um, I I think that, yeah, I would definitely be uh, quarantined. There is no question about it. Like we're not messing around. I mean, I actually got a COVID test yesterday um, because I've got to go to an event tomorrow um, that required a negative COVID test. So I actually got it done. So for those that are watching this right now or maybe watching later, I I will give you this. The pictures that you see and maybe even the video um, are not what I experienced with the nasal swab up my nose. The best way to describe it is when it was happening and the doctor put it up my nose, by the time I said to myself, oh, that feels a little weird, it was out and already in the other nostril. Um, so it, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. She didn't go up. I mean, she might have gone up to my brain, but it didn't feel like that. <laughs> I just That was a great sentence. And I, I wish I had been quoting, like really writing it down, like when he put it all the way up in my nose or however you phrase it, there are so many sentences that you know, like, we just never would have thought about in the pre-COVID era that are kind of kind of weird and delightful in that way. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's these are weird times. Like we were talking, like what the hell would they have done if there was a game seven? Oh well, clearly they would have had to have suspended play for at least a day um, or two or three to make sure everybody's in the clear, whatever the requisite amount of time was was going to be, um, and then picked up game seven, which means that Justin Turner probably would no, no there's probably no chance he would have played in a game seven, which would have been bad for the Dodgers, obviously in that situation. Um, by the way, how bad is the baseball bubble that someone got COVID? I, 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 where it came from, like, I am fascinated by this. Like, I want to go backwards, like, for the, I'm not, I'm less concerned about the contact tracing of Justin Turner, which should actually be pretty easy. It's like Dodgers, Dodgers personnel, and like, I guess people who work at the stadium. I'm, I'm like, I want the contact tracing for who, like, was around JT, that he got it. Because, I mean, if, if you read a lot of the stories, like Turner has been one of the guys who's been very 
yes. hard on the on teammates being like, guys, we are not going to let you know COVID fuck up this team and screw up this season. We are too good right. for that. Like all season long, Justin Turner. So I doubt he was out like partying like those two Cleveland Indians pitchers. Were. No, no, I don't. I don't expect that. But my question is like, I, I know what the NBA bubble was like, and I feel like we got really good reporting as to how mm -hmm. the NBA bubble functioned. I don't think we – and I'm not trying to knock anyone who was there, and maybe baseball did not allow access or information to be disseminated, but I I don't know anything about the – That's actually a really good point, um, and I hadn't even thought about that. But somebody yesterday – I was talking with a friend of mine, like asked me about the baseball bubble, and I started to respond. I realized I don't know a thing about it. Like I, I really don't know anything about baseball's bubble at Which all. Which really should have been called the base bubble. Right. It should have been called the base bubble. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I always think of the stuff when it's too late. Yes. Yes. I mean, we you really had like, you know, weeks to just to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I feel like all of us got a really strong sense of the Disney World bubble and like what yeah. that was really like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know a thing about you know the what? It's because situation. the NBA let people in and, and they're, they're unique in that regard. I mean, the, the access that, uh, I think writers had to the baseball bubble, however it was constructed, was relatively limited. And hockey, for example, didn't even let uh, reporters in there. There was literally no media inside those bubbles. Right. And so, you know, the NBA deserves credit for letting people see it. Uh, that that in and of itself turned out to be a bit of an oddity. So, well, but think about it: if you went to the NBA bubble as a family member or whatever, like you still had to quarantine for seven days. <laughs> like that was that was the rule. Um, and anyone who was tier one had to quarantine for seven days. So anyone who did um, now in the media circles, that would be um, I guess there was probably 10 writers from across the country. And mm -hmm. then like anyone who did sidelines. Right. Like whether it was Rachel right. or Cassidy or or whoever. Right. Like they they had to do the seven day quarantine. So and then anyone who was tier two. Um, only had to do a shorter quarantine, um, but they were had no interaction with the players or coaches or anyone in tier one. Like you had like real separation. I don't know anything about, to your point, Andy, about the major league baseball bubble. I don't know any rules, any regulations where the players stayed. Like we literally knew the hotels that these guys were staying at. We knew the hierarchy of the hotels. Right. We, we knew which teams were in the great places, which one were in the relatively speaking yeah. Work spots on Disney, the like Grandestino, baby. That was the spot to <laughs> yeah. be. I mean, look, yeah. the, two, the two representatives from the East and West both stayed at the Grandestino the entire time. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I well, that was actually something that I I, I wanted them. To I do add. think it could be a coincidence, but I just figured it nope. sounded better if I said. I that. wanted them to add this to both the play-in um, and also the the actual playoffs once they began. That like the stakes would involve you get to upgrade your hotel if you like beat a higher seed or if you eliminate somebody. Well, that happens. Or, or, but but also you can move somebody to a lower. You can oh, no, up somebody. Yeah. Like okay. somehow like if if the if the if like you win game two, uh, like Portland after beating the Lakers in game one of that series got to send them from their hotel to like the Pop Century. Yes, like I, I <laughs> because your hotel was currency. Like yeah. that, that really yeah. was like when all you when you have all these different millionaires all in the same space, they're all being yeah. catered to. The one thing you can really lord over everyone else because you can't go anywhere, like right. you can't show off in any other way. It's your room. 
Yeah. Like that. And, and your location. That's really it. That's your flex. Yeah. Unless you have a coffee machine. Uh, we well, do right, have... Unless we you became have, a coffee impresario like Jimmy Butler. Yeah. We have a... Uh, we have a, 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 we need you to explain Florida oh. to us uh, coming I mean, up. We, here. we, have, we have to make sure... Well, we'll save enough time for you yeah. for, to do the best you can. Yeah. Uh, but the NBA, I mean, it's amazing like how fast you can change the subject from the Dodgers have won the, their first World Series in 32 years. There's a ton of NBA stuff going on now, though, too. Like, I the the Daryl Morey thing was one of those moments where you check like three or four times to make sure that's an authentic Woj tweet before you retweet it. Like I looked and then I looked again and then I was like, who's who's already retweeted it? I, I was genuinely shocked by that. I was not, um, but I well, also because you know things, George. But but I I did well I did know that one um, because they had gone after him hard previously, and he didn't want to go there because it was right after Hinky, who was his mentee, basically, right? Um, so and I don't know if he knew what he what they had there yet. Like he knew there was talent, but he thought he was clearly closer to a championship in Houston at that particular point. Um, so I, I thought they'd make a run at him and I, it just depended on whether he wanted to take a gap year or he wanted, you know, wait just to see what else is out there or if he wanted to really take that on. And so that was one of the things we talked about on sports center tonight. And they asked me what I thought. And I thought, I said, listen, one thing is, I think this is the first step of a real transformation of that squad. And I think that everybody's on the table basically is the way I would describe it there. How okay, if you had to look at, I mean, there's the obvious names in terms of Embiid and Simmons that would be the biggest possible names that could move. But when you look at guys like Josh Richardson, you look at Tobias Harris, Al Horford, if you, I mean, yeah. I firmly believe any contract can be moved. You know, the idea that a contract is, you know, you can't possibly make it happen. I just don't buy that anymore after we've seen some of the stuff, you know, Timothy Mozgov after the Lakers had to attach D'Angelo Russell to move him to Brooklyn, everyone talked about that being an immovable contract. He got moved twice yeah. after the Nets got him. So anything is possible. Who do you look at, though, when you think about who might be in play the most? Okay, let's take the top two guys out because I think that – well, I think there's a possibility that those, one of those guys can get moved. Um, I, I don't think it's the most likely of scenarios, uh, which kind of stunk because on Sports Center they're like, "Well, which one do you think of those two would get moved?" Um, so, I, so and I'll you tell you, that, one, you have to do a one-man debate, George. You have to take yeah. both like sides yeah. with yourself. You know how this works. I should have I just done that, um, but and I'll tell you my answer to that later. But I think Al Horford can be moved. Um, mm -hmm. I actually think Al Horford can be moved easier than Tobias potentially. Um, and I know that may sound crazy, but I think yeah. Um, if I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I could look at it real quick. I'll, I'll you um, talk. I'll look. He has less years, I think, than Tobias. I think Warford's deal was four originally, and Tobias's was five. It was the Tobias four. was five years. That yeah. I'm almost so positive, you're so right. Horford has three years left. I want to say, and then Tobias has four. Um. So I think Al is four at a bigger number and yeah. a bigger number. Yeah. Cause he's got the full max. All right. So I think that look, let, let's just do a fake trade here. You ready? Let's do fake. Yes. Trade. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you're Sacramento. Okay. You don't really have a big man. 
You drafted Marvin Bagley, who's been hurt a lot, yeah. right? To start his career. You've got a, a kid in Harry Giles who you're probably not going to keep because, um, he, in theory, he's going to probably cost more than you would want to spend, right? You spent a boatload of cash on Buddy Heald. He doesn't want to be the sixth man. Luke clearly wants him to be the sixth man because they were better when he was the sixth man. So what does Philly need the most? Shooting, okay? Two, now three seasons ago when they had Ilyasova and they had Redick and they had Bellinelli, those two guys, as in Simmons and Embiid, their net rating was like plus 18, okay? Then the next year when it was just Redick, it went down to like plus nine. And then this year it was like plus two. <laughs> so clearly you need shooting around those guys if you're going to try to make it work. So why not trade Horford to Sacramento, who needs veterans, who needs a big man for a lot of their young guys. You attach a pick to it, right? And you find a way to get Buddy healed. And you're going to be strapped no matter what. They've spent the most money. They're capped out. So you're going to have to trade big salaries for big salaries. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to try to trade for a big salary, get something that at least suits you and someone who's disgruntled. And to me, that fake trade, I don't know if it comes together exactly that way, but I just think you can make it work. Cool. Right, fair, but like, but the problem is, like, I mean, is is that enough? Is it is a pick enough for, regardless of how gruntled or you know the level of gruntledness that Buddy Heald has, to for them to take on that contract? It's just I. I you know, like they just paid Harrison Barnes ninety something million dollars, didn't they? Yeah, but that was that was the old regime, right? Don't they have new people over there now? They do have new people over there. Um, actually, Monty Morris is also a Daryl Morey disciple, so that's why I think that 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 a deal can be struck there potentially. Maybe I just I, it's one of these deals where I, I feel like that this brain trust in Sacramento I think brought their own water. They finally figured out that you, when you get into that you know any of those arenas, you just don't drink the king's water. Um, you know, you don't eat the food there. You don't eat any of that. You bring your own stuff and you can, you can manage to get through like the days, like, you know, Monty says here that, you know, you can always count on a team like Sacramento at some point that's going to change. No, like, I, I agree. But I do, I don't think from, a, I think from a basketball perspective, it makes sense too. You know what I mean? Like Al Horford is not as bad as the guy we saw in Philly. Yeah. He's just playing next to Embiid and it does yeah. spacing stinks and it doesn't work. But if he's, he's not, not he's not far removed from the season that got him that contract in the first place. Correct. So it, it, he's still a good rebounder, a good passer, a pretty good shooter for a big man, and he's definitely a good locker room guy, right? So I, I don't think his skills have eroded that much, as opposed to just the fit stump. And he's a, he does. It's not like his game was ever predicated on you know, Russell Westbrook-like athleticism and speed. He's right. always been a, a technical guy, a smart guy, yeah. you know, very fundamentally skilled and all that. So I just, the mechanics of of, of this are fascinating because I you you look at it, Andy and I have talked a lot about the the Lakers and their window. And I, when, you, when, you, when you see what they did in the regular season, where they essentially ran away from a great conference and all we were in position to catch Milwaukee for the best record in the league, Right. And then they went 12 and three through the Western Conference to get to the finals. Didn't have to play the Clippers. Fine, whatever. Um, that's on the Clippers. That's, but that's on the Clippers. That, that, that right. says something about that team, not the Lakers. Yeah. So there is a gap between the Lakers and the rest of the conference right now, in part because 
you know, there's the talent, LeBron James and AD, nobody can match that to some of the top of the roster, but also you got to figure out how to attack that team. It's not just that Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard are really good. It's that you have to figure out how do you play against a team with that much size in their skill positions, LeBron as a point guard, AD as a, as a perimeter all the way in, you know, unicorn big at this point, the, the, the arms race in around the league is kind of fascinating. They're, and they're, now kind you, of the, they're like the perfect team, the Lakers, when it comes to sort of where the NBA has, has what it's become over like the last 10 years and the emphasis on space and pace and speed and all of that while still retaining size and, you know, having mobility, like they're, they're really, yeah, because this, people not really another team like just, them. Right. Because people, in, you know, George, I know we've talked about like people to confuse size with old fashioned post play and, uh, you know, <laughs> little guys. With the win. It's a skill set question. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not about the height of the players. It's about right. the skill set of the players. And Maury though, is just to finish the point. Maury is one of the only guys when the Warriors looked like they were just going to beat the crap out of everyone for years who said, if I have a 5% chance of winning a title this year, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to do it. So I, whether it's him, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's, I'm fascinated by what teams are going to do going into this season of all seasons to try to narrow that gap with the Lakers. Yeah, and I think the Clippers are still probably the team best suited because they have two guys that can give LeBron um, or make LeBron work harder than anyone else can, right? Um, while I always will bet on him, and I've said this a million times, I will bet on him until the wheels fall off. He did shoot 37% against them during the regular season in four games, right? Not that I think he wouldn't figure it out potentially because let's face it, it's not like those Warriors teams didn't have great defenders in Draymond and Clay and KD uh, and Iguodala, right? And he still found a way to go for 50 in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals. So um, I, I think that he would eventually figure it out. But I I just think that they need to find the right big, and I don't think it's Montrez Harrell. Um, I don't know who that person is. Um, I don't think it's Al Horford, right? Like, I don't think that's it either. They I was just wondering that. if you were going to go there. Right. They don't have the assets to trade for that someone of that kind of contract unless they do a sign-and-trade maybe with Harold. Um, and look, Harold did play for Maury originally. He drafted him, right? Like, maybe there is something there. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think that they need a different kind of big man. But they are, I think, still the best suited – um, look, I guess Milwaukee in some fashion sort of is because of Giannis, right? Um, but Laker. yeah, I don't know about that. I don't no, see I, I actually think it's a weird fit. I, I don't I don't think he plays with LeBron either. No. Yeah, it's actually why I feel like the Lakers don't really need they don't really need to be thinking about 2021 in terms of what they do for this coming offseason. Yeah. A because you can move contracts and B. If once you get past Giannis, assuming AD re-signs with the Lakers like everybody expects, that free agent class isn't really that relevant for the Lakers. I mean, no, it's not. I mean, when you're talking about like the next best guy is Fred Van Vliet, right? Who's a good player. Not, you know, he's not a star, uh, but he's a very good player. And then after that, it's 
don't know, Brandon Ingram. It's sure. but I mean, like, he's not, he means next yeah. summer. But the I mean, one, like, you know, the, the fame, so words, you know, Giannis summer. You can give like you can give KCP a multi-year deal if you need to, without having to worry about oh, we're going to eat into our twenty twenty-one cap space. Sure, I feel like you can do that because a, yeah, yeah, I think so. KCP, but b, who are you really going to be going after in twenty twenty-one? Yeah, um, right. I, I, I mean, look, would you make another run at Kawhi? Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I'll say this is. Is your intel or intel gathering better than it was last offseason? Like you have to you have to really wonder if you were the Lakers, how well did we do in gathering our intel? Like how, how well sure. did we do with all of this? And I'm, yeah. I'm not even saying that they screwed it up. I'm just saying they have to at least consider whether or not they did. And yeah. Like how good are we, how good are we at reading the room? Because in a lot of ways, they got lucky in terms of being able to build a team while still waiting on Kawhi. And, you know, it, it helps when you have Anthony Davis already in your pocket, but still like you just have to be careful. How much there. of this, how much, George, how much do you think is, is of, of a lot of these decisions that other guys are going to be making are based around how long do they think LeBron is going to play? Cause I just, I don't see, there's certain guys I don't see wanting to team up with LeBron, not because they dislike LeBron as a human being, but because they don't want to seem like the person who kind of gets attached to LeBron. You know, maybe that doesn't apply to Kawhi. This was an, issue with, Kawhi. Kawhi. This was an uh, issue with Kobe right. towards the end of his career. And, you know, I, Kawhi is one as the primary player on a team. He's got less of that, but certain players don't want the the LeBron shadow. Right, um, and I think Giannis. I don't think Giannis yeah. – I think Giannis is one of those, right? Um it's why I think Giannis, if he goes anywhere, I think it's going. If he goes, if he leaves Milwaukee, I think it's going to be Miami or Toronto. I don't think he's going to the West like everyone seems to think he's going to. Like I know everyone keeps talking about Golden State. I just don't see that. Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I, I don't see that. Um, and I think there are guys that fit better with the Lakers. Like, is Bradley Beal probably makes a lot of sense. Oh, he'd make a lot of sense. He'd make a ton. I know Brooklyn wants him too, but I think he fits better with LeBron and AD than he does with KD and Kyrie. I have oh no God. idea can, how the Lakers you, make how that do you happen. Defend that team with Bradley in LeBron. LeBron could spend entire regular seasons taking eight shots a game mm -hmm. with with those two guys around him. Yeah, he could play that's until he's fifty. Right. So I think that that's the type of guy that you have to look at. I know that you could probably have Victor Oladipo. I, I don't know mm. if it makes a lot of sense with LeBron. He likes to have the ball in his hands too. You know what I mean? Um, and again, he's a good player. And and I think even though he's still working his way back offensively, I, I, I think even right now in the limited time we saw him in the bubble, he's still a very good defender. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about him just yet. Um, I do think somebody will make a move for him this offseason. Because think about it this way. It just makes sense logically. If you trade for Victor Oladipo now at $21 million um, and you got to come within, I think it's 80%, right? Or is oh it 70? It's in that range, right? Um, you still have his bird rights. So when 21 comes up, if you want to chase a Giannis or Kawhi or Paul George or whatever, 
Um, you know, you know, I, I mean, like, or I like now Paul George is followed with a, or whatever, right. you know? <laughs> yes. So if you want to tra- trade or sign one of those guys, you can then go over the cap right. if you trade for Victor Oladipo, right? So I think from an accounting perspective, it makes sense. So I do think he gets moved. I'm just curious to see where, but if you're the Lakers, um, I, I do think that if you don't secure Rondo, for this upcoming season, you need to find another person who can help organize the offense. And I think because that was clearly important. Look, Eric Spolster talked a lot about that during that series. He he his phrase was in the moments of truth, they have two guys in LeBron and Rondo that have seen it all and that are in control. And it's really hard to kind of get under them in, or get by them in those situations uh, when those two guys are at the helm. So if you don't keep Rondo, you need to find someone else that can help organize the offense. Yeah, th- there was a moment. I want to say it was in game five. It's either game four or game five. It was a, a, a Laker win towards the back end of that series where LeBron, I think, got hit in, hit in that groin area that you know always gets frightening. And he, yeah, he has four, a, game, four. game four, and he has a little bit of a difficult time recovering. And Rondo ended up the next two possessions running the offense and LeBron literally didn't touch the ball on either set. One of them was Rondo setting up AD. The other one was Rondo taking it to the rim. And like that to me was the moment I was like, okay, that's playoff Rondo. Like that, that's the value of having Rajon Rondo on your roster right there. LeBron did not touch the ball and it was fine. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't even look like he was looking for the ball. He's like, I'm cool with Rondo doing this. By the way, the Clippers could use someone like him too. That's the rumor. That was the one they read today. The Clippers would have very strong interest in in Rondo. I mean, who is probably at this point going to opt out? Oh, he definitely um, will. Oh, he yeah, should. So he, absolutely. And you know, and I think the Lakers can bring him back if 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 you know you know somebody gives KCP 12, 13 million a year, which is probably going to come. Um, yeah, you know, the Lakers, I think, have to sort of match that because they really have no way to replace him. Mm-hmm. Um, if Rondo gets three or four years from someone, which I don't think he will, that becomes a tougher decision. Yeah, I mean, it's Godspeed. I agree. I, but like, if if the Clippers go hard after him, I I wonder if you could see like maybe that's a space where Balmer's sort of general competitiveness, um. Leans out and gives contract. him a little bit more, a little bit make creates a, you create a bad contract just to make sure he doesn't go back to the Lakers. It's very possible. Um, look, they they put themselves in this situation of we got to win right now. Yeah, uh, those guys have an opt out after next season, and I think particularly from a Kawhi perspective, right? Like as much as he likes being back in Southern California and living in San Diego, mostly, right? Like he is on off days, he was in San Diego. Um, I think that, which, you know, according to the Jovan uh, Bua story, right, that he they were late on flights or whatever because they were waiting for him and all that kind of stuff. And that rubbed some people the wrong way, which, look, dude, it is what it is. That's I can tell you stories about every team in the history of that sport that had something like that. Of course. Uh, with good players. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah like I, I do think that they're under a lot of pressure to produce a championship next season, or Kawhi could end up being one of these guys that says, okay, where can I go? Can I go to, you know, uh, what, who are the content, who are the other contenders that you would look at? Right. Like, um, can I go to, uh, Toronto, right. Can I go 
to, can I go to Miami? Can I go to Golden State? Right. Where, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Like he could find himself in a situation where he can then pick and choose where he wants to go at that point, And the Clippers are screwed. And I mean, yeah, I mean, they're beyond screwed. I mean, when you look at everything that they gave up in order to secure Kawhi, which meant securing Paul George, like, you know, Anthony Davis is expected to come back and it's been expected basically this whole season. There's never been any concern he won't stay. But even if AD all of a sudden just decided, you know what, I want to go to Team X. I want to go home to Chicago, whatever. Yeah, the Lakers gave up a lot to get him. That trade has already paid for itself. Absolutely. Like if he left, it would be, you know, they'd have to do some figuring out in terms of what comes next. But there are no regrets whatsoever because you won a championship and that pays for itself. The Clippers would be screwed for the foreseeable future. If they lose both of those guys uh-huh. after two years, they are screwed, man. Yeah, I will tell you this, though. It is funny, though, um, because we lived through it with the AD thing, um, the three of us. And I've lived through it now three times um, with big-time players. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> I remember when Shaq was traded from the Lakers to the Heat, and they gave up uh, – Brian Grant was the salary, basically, and it was Karan Butler and Lamar Odom. And look, those were young guys. Like, yeah. Lamar was 24, 25. Karan was even younger. Um, he was only a year older than Dwayne, I think, at that point, who was a rookie. And he fans were like, we don't want to trade those young guys. We can win with those guys. And I remember like laughing, going like, listen, maybe that happens. Maybe. But this guy is winning championships. Miami had just, though, had that really fun playoff run. Remember, yeah. they, they, they yeah, had just yeah, had right. a We're doing, like, They beat Baron Davis in the first yeah. round. They, they pushed yeah. Indiana too deep in yeah. that second round. The Jermaine O'Neal run our test teams right. and whatever. Um, and yeah, so people were like not happy and we dealt with it with the Lakers. Like you can't trade all the kids for Anthony Davis. Like this is crazy. And then the other time I dealt with it, um, when I was working at Fox sports radio, we were on, uh, you know, a lot of stations obviously at night and I was on WEI in Boston. Then when the Kevin Garnett stuff came down and I remember people (laughs) say, we we can't trade. Al Jefferson and Gerald Green. <laughs> all these guys for Kevin Garnett. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, you're talking about one of the best I, three or four I, players on the planet. It, it's funny. Like, we were talking about Daryl Morey before. Like, the, the results of the Anthony Davis trade are the justification for why Daryl Morey does everything that he does. Like, why he chases stars so hard. Because there is almost no amount of stuff that you can give up that isn't worth it if you can get one of the two or three or four or five best players in the league, particularly if you can put that guy with the guy who might be the best player in the league. Like if you are that top heavy, you're going to win. Yeah. I would love to see Daryl. And again, this is just me recklessly speculating. Now I would love to see Daryl try to poach James Harden and like, just call for Tita and be like, what is it going to take? Which one do you want? Do you want Embiid? Do you want Simmons? Right? Like, which one do you want? And and just see if that happens. Because I, I don't think it's – I don't think that's as crazy as anyone okay. would Who's a better pairing? I would like to – I think Simmons and Harden are better together. I'd watch that. So if you're if you're Fertitta and you get that call, who are you choosing between Simmons and Embiid? 
If say you decide for whatever reason this isn't going to work with Russ, with I get out of here. Steven Silas, right? I mean, with uh, with, uh, Harden. I'm sorry, not Westbrook. Harden. You're trading one of them. Oh, he'd rather trade Westbrook. He's not trying to trade. No, no, Harden. no. I'm sorry. I, I meant if you got to choose, if you're you decide that this isn't going to work with Harden. I, I meant Harden, not Westbrook. Right. right. Let's say you, Harden. You, which God. which of the which of the big two are you taking yes, back from Philly? From Who Philly. do you want more? That's what I meant. Embiid. I think you take Embiid if you if you start if if you have Westbrook still. Right. Uh, because I, I just think those two potentially would be a better – those two would be a better fit than Simmons and Westbrook, I right. think. <laughs> Simmons and Westbrook, people are going to automatically assume, well, they'll be great because they just want to run, but neither of them yeah. are good shooters, right? At least Embiid, you have to defend him, right, um, from out there. And clearly, when he, if he wants to be, he can kill everybody down there. Um, and I just think him and Russ uh, – he needs like a Russ – to be honest, like I think, like that from a personality standpoint, like Jimmy got the best out of him. I think that Russ could get some of that out of him too. Um, and I just think that James and and Ben make more sense because Ben is a look. Ben is arguably, you know, what a top three perimeter defender, top four perimeter defender in the really NBA. Right um, and he's scoring eighteen points a game without a three point shot yet. You know, so. I think that that will come with time. I, I do believe that he will at least take more. Um, and if Daryl is going to be there and Doc is going to be there, I'm assuming he's going to this, take This gets to the, the question of like, you know, how do you make it work in Philly though? Because one thing that a lot of people, you know, the have pointed out is Simmons doesn't take any threes himself, but he's excellent at generating them for other people. So like you oh go back God, to when they were effective. Yeah, most assists uh, created for three pointers this season. Yeah, right. so you can you surround those guys with the JJ Reddicks of the world again, and you know you might find that that pairing works um, better than 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 you thought. It's just Buddy healed. There Fake you go. Trade. We make Michael Thompson happy. He all Michael Thompson wants is for Buddy Heal to live his best life. Yes. Um, yeah, I I do think you can. I I think that um, I, I just and I also think Ben is. Like, man, we kind of forget that he's still really young. You know, like there are a lot of guys whose games didn't don't grow uh, until, you know, he's only been in the league four years. Like LeBron James. He's 24. Yeah. Barely. LeBron, barely. He's a young 24. Turned 24 right. in LeBron July. James, okay, was arguably the best player on the planet in 2010 and 11. And he probably still can't explain what happened to him in the 2011 finals when he didn't have a reliable uh, post offense and wasn't really all that good a shooter yet still. No. You know what I mean? Like, so if LeBron James can deal with that at 26 years old, like, you know, we can deal with Ben Simmons still growing, you know, as, as a player. It's uh, oh God, the level of impact and the, and the, the intolerance for an imperfect player. You know, if, if you, you know, if you, if you are, amazing at a lot of things and he's a great defender great passer excellent rebounder like he's it's just he's an all-star already like but there is a shortcoming in your game it's like that there aren't a lot there are only two or three of these guys that are pretty much good at ev literally everything on the floor and it doesn't happen much. even you know luca can do anything you want offensively except he's not a great shooter and he's not a good defender yet it's like you start to break all of these guys down Something Basically, wrong with everybody. Ron and Kawhi. Basically. And 
Those are the three. I, I, I was going to say the Lakers happen to have two of the three. Two of them. That explains why well, they won the championship. Right. AD, AD is in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you're, you start becoming pretty hard pressed when you think about what AD can't do. I mean, maybe the worst, like the worst element of his play, playmaking, like right. maybe, like if you're, and he's not, he's not terrible at it, but like, no, no, but the, the couple of games they lost were games that, you know, like in, in the finals. Um, yeah was that the Heat really pressured him to make plays when he caught the ball right away and make decisions. And that was kind of – it kind of rattled him a little bit, you know? Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the weakest – that's it. Element. You're right. Like, you're that's the weakest part. Yeah, you're totally nitpicking in that situation. But, yeah, like, I, I just think with the Simmons thing, everyone overreacts, you know what I mean? And it's like we did it with Zion, right? Like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he's out of shape, he's this, that, and the other. Dude, he played 19 games. Like, what did you expect him to look like? And then when he came back in to New the- Orleans with right. that food, right. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, and again, he's 19 years old. You know what I mean? Like, he's got baby fat on him. Of course he does. You know what I mean? Like, he's a kid. Ugh. Oh, my God. me crazy. Then, like, you came back from that thing. You're like, holy shit. What was that guy doing during quarantine? But damn. Yeah. Um, we have reached a monster. Like, like, there's no question. If he's healthy, he's going to be a monster. He's insane. Oh, God, oh my oh God, my. that team is He's insane. going to be so good. Yeah. Like, in, really, if he can just stay healthy, like, mm-hmm. even if he never gets in shape the way you'd hope, but he can just stay on the court. Yeah. That guy's a monster. I, I, actually, I actually love the Stan Van Gundy hire there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. that Stan, people forget how good a coach Stan is. People think, the because you're only what, people have uh, what your lasting memory was or your last memory was. And his last memory of, of standing or the last member of Stan Van Gundy was Detroit um, where the team stunk. But I think a lot of that was he took on too much, uh, you know, too much there with dealing with being the president and all the stuff that came with personnel. Dude, that team was not that good from a roster perspective. And he got him into the playoffs. Right. Yep. And Orlando, we forget that Stan was one of the first people to play four out around Dwight. It was Richard Lewis at power forward, right? Shooting threes. Um, and he do Turkaloo, right? Interchangeable, those two guys at three and four. And then they had Jameer Nelson and Rafer Alston. And they had a bunch of guys that would just shoot the ball. Uh, Courtney Lee, right? Like yeah. they had a bunch of guys that can defend and shoot the ball. And Dwight in the middle, because, you know, Dwight was a athletic big who would roll to the basket at that time. But that was innovative at that particular Oh, time. totally. And Dw- he he coached young guys. Dwight was super young when he had him. And he coached Dwayne Wade at, when he was young, too. Like, this notion that he can't coach young no, guys. He, and he was successful in Miami, too. It's not like that team was garbage and yeah, They went to the conference so finals. They were good. I was, yeah. was going to say, he's a lot like, in some ways, Mark Jackson with the Warriors before Steve Kerr got there. Like, I think Steve Kerr is a better coach than Mark Jackson. I think Stan Mark, Gunn is a better coach than Mark Jackson. But but my point being, Mark Jackson did get the Warriors to a certain point. And, you know, maybe if he'd been there longer, he could have gotten them all the way. We don't know. But he obviously can do something well. Stan Van Gundy got the heat very close to where ultimately they needed they, to go. They, Stan Van Gundy with the heat. I mean, we know with the magic, he got to the finals and lost to the Lakers. But Stan Van Gundy with the Heat got to a game seven down to like the last two possessions of a game yeah. seven against a championship level Detroit team with Dwayne Wade with a broken rib. Okay. Like that's how I close they were to getting to the finals. 
Oh, I, I forgot completely about forgot about that. Dwayne oh. Wade played didn't play Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals because he I broke. I completely his forgot about Eddie that. Jones started at at shooting guard and literally shot the ball over the basket on one play. <laughs> they got blown out in Detroit, and I'll never forget Shaq's face, like looking at him with disgust, like this mother bleeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, well. and, and then. Um, in game seven, Dwayne came out. You clearly got a shot, right? Like we just assume, right? And then it ran out by halftime, you know? And you could see in the second half, he was laboring, like just to move. Um, Ribs so, yeah, hurt. Stan was a really, really good coach. And that's where he had the falling out with Shaq and later on right. panic stuff. I, so real quick, real quick before we before we have you explain Florida. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Do when do you think they start playing? Because Michelle Roberts uh, talked today. You know the, the Adam Silver plan kind of leaked out, uh, which was seventy-two games starting on December twenty-second. You know, trying to get the NBA calendar back to as normal as a as quickly as they possibly can because it's better for everyone from a revenue standpoint. Obviously, though, players don't like this. Particularly, Lakers players don't like this because it means they have about a forty-four minute off season. Um, when do you think they actually – where do you think this this comes down? Like, when do you think they'll actually start playing? The players – because the players got to agree. So, yes, right. Um, I, look, I get where the league and the owners are coming from, okay? Let's take this from a purely business perspective first, just from their, from their side of it, right? The players – I'm sorry, the owners and the league. Do you want to cede control of Christmas, which you own, to the National Football League? Because that's what will happen, Right. Roger Goodell is going to play games on Christmas if you don't. He's already done it on days where it's fallen on a Saturday or a Sunday. Like that obviously will happen because that's the time of year where they even start playing Saturday games. So I think part of the logic, and I don't know this. This is me speculating, right? But I think part of the logic has to be we can get back on a normal calendar, sort of. We can still get our premier event in in the first half of the season, uh, which is Christmas. And really own the first week, right? Because if the if the season starts on the 22nd, which is a Tuesday, we have that whole Christmas week of nationally televised games. Tuesday night on TNT, Wednesday night on ESPN, Thursday night on TNT, Friday is Christmas. We have the slate of ESPN ABC games. So I think that from a business perspective, that makes sense. Plus, you're also not opening the door for the NFL to be like, hey, we can now plant our flag on Christmas too. Um, so... I, I understand that. I get it from the player's perspective, too. You don't want to start that soon, especially if you're the Lakers and Heat, right? Like, you just – so they, even Boston and Denver. I mean, that's right. a pretty quick turnaround for them, too. But, but here's what I would say. Um, the season ended, I think it was, what, October 10th, 11th in that range? It's pretty – yeah, not long ago. Yeah. And if they started the 22nd, that would be um, about eight or nine weeks. A normal champion ends their season around June 15th to the 20th, let's say, and then training camps start again September 20th. So, you know, it, it's another three or four weeks. I get that. Um, but I, I think that what the owners in the league have over the players is still what they had over them during the bubble, which right. is if they had to drop this hammer, they could just say, do you want us to tear up the CBA? Because we have an opt-out. And you don't want to do that if you're the players. And there's just, there's no good way to get from point A to point B. Um, like there's, it's it's going to be painful for 
owners, it's going to be painful for players. And actually, in some ways, at least from a calendar standpoint, it 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 helps the NBA that the they they can't the sort of the the 2020-2021 fantasy of we'll have fans back in the arena by then. It's it's no. obviously just not something they can plan on, so they they don't even have to try. Like when can, what's the latest we can start the season and try to get the fan revenue? It's just not going to work. Like there's no way to predict that, and it's it doesn't look like it's going to be a, an option anyway. At least then they can focus just on the calendar. Like how do we get back to what we do as quickly as we can? I actually like some of the innovations that may come out of this with you know more regional play and series. Like right. there's some potential for that to be kind of interesting. Play three games against the Warriors in in six nights, like these yeah. little mini playoffs. That, assuming yeah. everyone has their rosters intact, would be a lot of fun. You know, playoff previews and all that. Yeah, I, I do agree. And also, if you're the league, you tell the players, if we start in January, there's no way you're going to be be able to play in the Olympics, right? Like if you're one of and and face it, if you're playing in the Olympics, it's going to be the top 15 or 20 guys, right? Like, and if though, if you're those guys, you tell them, this is what I would say. If you want to play in the Olympics and you want to expand your brand, right? Which is really what the Olympics is yes. in a lot of ways, totally. right? Um, then we have to do it this way because if we start in uh, Martin Luther King day, we're not going to make it. And we need to get 70, at least 70 games yeah. in to satisfy our TV partners. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, too, I mean, the teams that would be affected most adversely by this, the Lakers, the Heat, Denver, Boston, there are also four teams that can afford to have, you know, to ease themselves into next season. And, you know, if LeBron, for example, or some of the older guys in the Lakers take some games off, it's going to be fine. Like the the we've seen, the Lakers just need to get into the playoffs. And, you know, regardless of what the setup's going to be, it'll be fine. Like yeah. they're going to be, they're going to be okay. It's not going to be a big deal. And, you know, I, I fully expect that LeBron will do some of the, you know, the load management that I think all yeah. of us expected heading into this season didn't end up happening for a lot of, I think, very admirable reasons and the urgency that LeBron placed on the season. But this year, I do think it would happen. And, and I think it's smart. I'm like, it, it would not be, I think, wise for LeBron, if say they start up on Christmas, to go full bore from minute one the oh, way he did last no. season, I don't think it'd be smart. He should he should load manage for a month, you know, yeah. or so, and then work and ease his way back into it. Um, I I think that look, I've seen LeBron win from a lot of different positions in, in the standings, right? Like I, I he doesn't need to be the one seed, you know no. what I mean? Like I think that. I think he's already done that and he's proven that he can do that in the West. And I think that that was like something he wanted to check off the list. Right. But now he doesn't have to do that. Now he can be smart about it. And his team doesn't need to either. Correct. And to your point, if you look at those other teams that you mentioned, Boston's young, right? So I don't think it really affects them all that much. Maybe Kemba a little bit. Um, Maybe you manage him a little bit. I think with the heat, maybe with Jimmy, you, you manage him clearly with Dragic. You'll have to manage him if he's even available at that point. Um, and with Denver, they're pretty young. So I, I don't think you have to really manage any of their good players either. So I, I do think it's really mostly about LeBron, maybe Kawhi and the Clippers, right? Like Kawhi is it, it's Kawhi's thing is going to be a, a, a constant thing. Like it is a chronic injury that he's going to have to manage 
throughout the rest of his career. I yeah, think. and that's just how it's going to be. I mean, there's, right. there is no way you can get him through because if he's not healthy in the playoffs, you're screwed. Right. So you just have to do it. Um, I, I've always wanted to ask you this question, George, and we've worked together for a while, and I, you know, I very much respect the work that you do. Um, how much would you pay? for a full contact experience with a black leopard. Yeah, that would be I zero cuz I would not want that. I don't mess with wild animals, okay? Uh, for anyone that's watching right now, um and maybe uh, you are a listener to the Levitard show or the podcast or whatever, they have Ron McGill on every week, which oh, is I love yeah. that. It's the best segment on sports radio. It is. It really and is. Ron and I are, are friendly are friendly as well, and uh, I heed his advice, which is don't screw with wild animals. For people who don't know, it really is the the two best segments on sports radio are both, I think, on Levitard. It's Ron McGill and, and what anytime Levitard has Tim Kirkajan on. Yeah, what? Yeah, the what he looks like game. Yeah, yeah the what, what he, he looks, looks like, like game. Fantastic uh, weekend observations as well. Big fan. I like that too. Um, so you you as a Miami guy, you are familiar with Davie, Florida. Correct? Oh, I am. It is actually the home of the Miami Dolphins training facility. It's also the home of a guy who paid hundred and fifty dollars for a full contact experience with a black leopard, who then. Shockingly, had to undergo multiple surgeries after he was mauled yeah. by the fully grown animal in an enclosure. Um, so the man uh, who owns the place, Michael Poji, um, offers this on Facebook this opportunity to uh, interact with rare and endangered animals. There's from a his great, home, from his yeah, home, from his home, in, in like the back. It's in the back at his house. Yeah. Uh, this all sounds very, very familiar. Yes. 50 year old Dwight <laughs> Kerner paid $150 for a full contact experience with his black leopard to quote, play with it, rub its belly, and take pictures. Um, what, why, why, why is this all, why, two questions, why, why is always this always in happening in Florida? And then also, is there anything we can do to make sure these people aren't the people who determine the future of our democracy? Because those, these two questions are related. <laughs> um, why does this happen in Florida? So I do know the answer to this. Okay. Um, Billy Corbin's a buddy of mine. He's a documentarian. He um, always posts really fun, wacky, crazy stories um, and a lot of political stuff. But yeah. uh, he does post a lot of the fun, wacky Florida stories. And he he's told me, because as a documentarian, he, he looks into all this type of stuff, that Florida basically has a law. And I'm going to try to describe this the best way I can in, just from memory. Basically, anything that happens in Florida becomes public record. Um, and, and everyone can access it, right? Anything that happens in regards to a police report, and I know that's generally the case in a lot of places, but there's not a lot of expunging of things in Florida. And I think that's the best way I can describe it. I know minors can get things expunged, but for adults, it's a lot more difficult than maybe in other states. So because of that, it, just a lot more crazy news is able to leak okay. out. That may be, but it does seem to be. A because Florida is the worst real state in the. I've, I've I've made this. There are certain states in the union that are filler. They're sort of the Vanderbilt of the SEC. Like you need to get to twelve, so like yeah. you have Vanderbilt or you have you know, you know some of these other schools. Like yeah, they have. So you gotta get, you gotta fill up the conference. You need Idaho. 
you need, you know, uh, you know, a Louisiana. There's some places in the United States. They're not really real states. They're hey, filled. I like Louisiana. Listen, you know, Louisiana is probably the wrong example. Orleans, New Orleans, Orleans, Orleans. Orleans. Right. We're good. But, you know, Arkansas. But Arkansas you. is an eminently skippable state no in, in America. Nobody would miss Mississippi if it were gone. Nope. I mean, really. Filler. It's filler. It's filler. It's, it's how you get to, it's, somebody decided we needed 50 states, and that's one of the ways you get there. You need you need Mississippi. And I mean, so, if, I, if we were doing a power ranking of the states, maybe the next time I'm on, we can do that. We can do like please. the power ranking of states. I would love this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we should I mean, do it weekly. Like you should do them weekly. What's that? that? You, we should do them weekly. The Sedano weekly state power rankings. And then you're, every week, we could do like we did in basketball season, where I would then comment on your weekly power You are rankings. very good with rankings, George. It's screwing with people's heads. Because oh, I've seen you do this before. You're very good at yeah. that. I, you were, I used to do the NBA power rankings. I know. No, that's what I'm saying. And every week, you would do the NBA power rankings, and then I would rank your weekly power rankings by week. So like week two would be my number three, but like week four jumped leap to week, like number one, that was my favorite thing to do every week. Um, Um, My point is Florida is the worst of the, Florida is a real state. It's a state that matters. It's the worst by far of any real state we have. Um, It it is strange, man. Like growing (laughs) up there. (laughs) Um, So like, the best way to describe it is this. And look, Miami's crazy on its own, too. Miami's its own place. It's it's not Florida. It's Miami. Right. It, exactly. And, and I would say, actually, those three counties down there, like Palm Beach, uh, Broward, which is Fort Lauderdale, and Dade County, which is Miami, are like their own entity. You know what I'm saying? And like then there's the rest of the state with little pockets. Like Orlando is like a pocket, right? Tampa is like a pocket. But then the rest of it is a lot of swampland. And in this swampland, you have people that... Uh, Swampy people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's the type of stuff you'd make reality shows about. And uh, well, this, this, story, this story basically was Tiger King, but with yes. like fewer hillbillies. Yeah. I mean, but that, that's really what it was. Like, it was an upscale version of Tiger King. But dude, this is that's just Florida. People, crazy people go down there because look, I'm gonna quote Billy, right? Like um <laughs> he says he has a saying. Um, when um you want to become somebody, you move to LA, right? When you are somebody, you can move to you can live in New York, right? Um, and then w- <laughs> the <laughs> If you want to be somebody else, you move to South Florida, <laughs> you move to Miami, right? And you move to Florida, right? And he's right. Like, there's so many situations of people that just go under crazy aliases and, and just crazy crap happens to them there. It, it's just, it, it, it follows people there. It's why it really is. I mean, the state in general is an unbelievable news state, right? Like, just the type of news stories like this one that come out and are there. Um and happened there. And, and Miami is even worse because, I mean, we had a guy on bath salts like seven or eight years ago trying to maul people's faces. Like, do you remember that story? Yeah. 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 Bath salts were a thing. Right. And it, of course <laughs> it happened in Miami. You know what I'm saying? And literally two miles from where I lived is where this man was eating people's faces. Um, so it, it is just one of those strange places. I don't have a great explanation for it other than it's just always been that way. 
the the one big takeaway I had from this story, I mean, other than just again, it's so fucking Florida, is <laughs> the experience cost one hundred fifty dollars. You know, to have this up close and personal interaction with a leopard. Which I can't that, tell, by the way, is that too much or too little? No, it's too little. It's way too little. Yeah, yeah. Like, like do you think a who, who on God's green earth thinks that one hundred and fifty dollars is enough to be in with a wild animal? You know what I mean? For some perspective, uh, last last summer our family went to Mexico and we did a swimming with dolphins experience, which which was amazing at the at right. this incredible huge water park all these different interactions you could have with different sea creatures and it was about like somewhere between 150 to 200 bucks for each member of my family mm -hmm. that was with dolphins totally safe yeah trained at a water park with like right. marine experts yeah that, that was like 200 or so each right no safety issues whatsoever no. like you don't go bargain shopping with wild animal interactions like Generally speaking, look for the expensive stuff. But I had like, a group on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, look, this is also the area of the country where in, in South Florida, where <laughs> there was a person who was uh, claiming to be a doctor who was filling, she was doing butt implants and she was filling people's butts with basically cement. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the craziest crap happens there. And that like that story is an everyday story. And like yes. when you talk about animals, like, dude, so I don't want to like, I'm not trying to diminish this, right? Like, no, it's I'm glad he survived. Like, obviously, no, what no, happened no. was terrible. No, no. I'm talking about the animal part of this. Like, oh, okay. When when the Michael Vick story happened, and I'm not trying to, I love dogs. I would never do that to a dog. Um, and I think what he did was heinous, right? But I grew up in Florida where dog fighting, my, we had a pit bull growing up and he was stolen from us for, and my dad had to go to this local dog fighting ring oh, and pay money to get our dog back. Oh my you know God. What I'm saying? Like that, that is Florida. I, you know, I've been to a cockfight before, you know, I've seen it. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, when I was younger, when I was a kid, like you I been, been, what is it? You I, been I, a cock fight? I so I had a friend. I feel like you buried the lead for the last like <laughs> eight years of our lives. <laughs> when, I, when I was probably a teenager, I was I had a friend whose uncle owned a farm in South Florida, probably about like, I don't know, 35, 45 minutes outside of the city, right? And yeah, he so I go there, you know, one day with my buddy and we went there a bunch, right? And rode horses and stuff like that and normal stuff you would do as a kid, right? With at a farm. And then one day there's this huge uproar like down on the other side of the farm and I'm walking over there and I was like, you know, this is the first time I'd seen it and I was like, "Whoa." So but that is normal in those yeah. parts of the country. And so again, you know, I was appalled by all of it. Um, so PETA, please don't come after me. I was a teenager and I just witnessed it. I George wasn't couldn't, George couldn't any laugh at the little Jerry Seinfeld episode because right. but I was um or like uh the social network movie, right? With uh what's his face? Um what's his name? The actor Jesse Eisenberg? No, the other one. 
Oh, uh, Army Hammer? Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Uh, oh, God. Social Network, Spider- Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, right. Um, where he has the <laughs> situation where he's oh, like- Oh, yes, yes, yes. A- and they yes. make him be a chicken and whatever yes. it was written yes. in the newspaper. So that's not this. Uh, I just witnessed stuff. I never saw the dog fighting, but I know, I, I remember like, the, I remember it like clear as day that my dad said, he went with my sister's boyfriend at the time. And he's like, I'll, I was a little kid. Like, I want to say like eight or nine. And I remember like my sister told me the story, you know, after the fact, but my dad's like, I'll be back. I'm going to bring back the dog. And that's what he went. He went over there. And that is he a got crazy dog. story. Do you know, did they, did they steal the dog to train it to fight yes. or, or was yeah. it fodder? Okay. No, to train it to fight. Cause he was, it was a young dog. It was a young kid. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I'm well, glad you got the dog back because it's a hellish life. For and the dog lived a hell of a life after that. Good. Like I, never, I thought we were never going to see it. The dog died. I want to say he was like 15 or 16 years old. Like he lived with us for a long time. My Good. We, we got him when I was in like second grade and he died when I was in college. Wow, good run. Good. Yeah. That's a good run. Uh, well, as I said on the uh, on the chat, uh, George Explains Florida should be a segment on every show everywhere. I would listen. <laughs> I would watch. I, again, <laughs> we, we, I pointed listen. out it's Ron McGill, it's uh, Tim Kirkjian and the Looks Like Game, and now it's George Explains Florida. Because we can start it. We can, we can find a way. Like, we're here every night. Maybe um, we can do a monthly. We can just, you guys can come up. Here's what we do. We can do half the show on sports, and then the other half, you just find all the Florida stories you want to talk I about. I would do that once a week. I will do yeah. that as many you, times, as yes. much time as you're willing to donate to that project. I will <laughs> absolutely. Let's, no, let's do a month's worth of stories. Like I feel like that's okay. That's, okay. That's at least 30 minutes. If We're you, in. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this before we let you go, I don't I don't know how to respond to this, but the kid in uh, NYC. The lamp behind you was pissing me off, and I don't know why. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that information. It looks like a nice lamp to me. Yeah, it's just a lamp in the corner. And, you know, if we need extra light, you know, if someone is laying on the day bed, they put it on, and there's extra light. You don't want the the big you know light, you know, uh, on yeah, the ceiling. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, there's me and LeBron, by the way, back there. Um, nice. Look at that little flex. And uh, and Dwayne Wade on the other side of the land. Yeah. It's gonna be awkward though when those guys come to use the daybed. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> look at yourself. Um, all right. So we now have a thing that we're gonna be able to do going forward, which I, you probably are underestimating how excited Andy and I. Are oh my god! Do that. I, I'm yeah, gonna start. I'm gonna start bookmarking. Once a month, <laughs> we can do. Uh, we can do a half sports coming and, November twenty uh, eighth. Yeah. Well, that might be Thanksgiving. I'm not sure. So we might well whatever yeah, one. We'll, let's go after Thanksgiving. Yes, yeah. after okay. Thanksgiving will yeah. be the debut of George explains a month's worth of Florida, which is even better. Yeah. Um, dude, I know you've been working tonight. You're you're always working crazy, and we appreciate uh, it, man. We always appreciate the time. This is yeah, man. I, I love it. I'm happy to do it. I think you guys are awesome. You know, I watch the show. I tell you guys all the time. Well, we've we've you. seen you. We've yeah. seen you in there. We appreciate it. it. So. Yeah, like Dwayne Wade behind your day bed. <laughs> we right. see you there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if I go up a little higher, you can see me and Mike Breen and Doris Burke right there behind wow. me. Wow. Yeah. 
This is this whole the whole point of this guest room is just in the day bed is to impress the hell out of this. This is a very like this is your life behind you right now. Like you're a well, professional, this actually, is your life. My wife uh was the one that got <laughs> me to do this. So she she says, You work a really cool job and a fun job. You know, you're on the road a lot. You should document some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, she's right. And I, you know, I was just like, eh, whatever. But the good thing is at these events. I'm not the one taking the pictures. The right. lead has people taking pictures and they just, they automatically just send them to me on my Instagram or on my Twitter or they'll tag me or whatever. And I'm just like, all right, cool. And then, so they're all on my phone. So my wife's like, let's just put them up in your office. Like, why not? You know, well, you know what? More. Like, you want to see some more pictures? Sure. Yes. Uh, so here's one. Hold on. Let me grab this. These are mixed tiles. So they're actually glue on the back, if you see here, which is nice. You don't have to make holes. So this one is Dan Levitard's wedding. Oh, wow. wow. You know, I've that. seen that photo on Twitter before. Yeah. A lot so that of beautiful. Is, yeah. What a beautiful venue. Fire crew there. Yeah. I Dan like Patrick that. is back there behind me. I see Cody back. up front. Yeah. Tony Reale oh. next to Dan. That's Katie Nolan. Mike Ryan at the bottom. Uh, then you have, hold on, I'm trying I think to. That would back. have been a very I, fun wedding. Yeah, Sarah Spain, Dan Patrick, Mina Izzy. Shadat, I see Pablo, Izzy there. Izzy, Mina Kimes. Yeah, there's Pablo. Mina, yeah. God, so that's a good-looking crew. Let me see. Hold on, let me put this back. Um, let me try this, this one. Is, you're, what you got going on is much better than the blinds I've got behind me. Yeah, this one is me and Dan at one of his Moss Miami parties. We were really drunk, and there's this weirdo guy in the back, which I think was the best part of the picture. <laughs> Wait now, you're you're sure you're drunk in that photo, George? I, I can't I can't quite tell. Yeah, you're positive. Yeah. Um. And let me see. Uh, who else? What else can I get? Let me see. Who else? Is there anyone else that's worth getting? Nah, I think that's pretty much it. Those are right. sports related, but those were like fun pictures. No, they're great. They're fantastic. Your I have one photograph that sort of documents my sports journalism career, and it's me and Kurt Warner and Kirk Franklin. It is a very unusual. Wow, that is. I mean, actually, the two that the two of them would be friends makes sense because they're both you know right. deeply religious people. But yeah. that I would have my one photograph of like my sports life with those two guys is. And I didn't even want to take it. The guy was the the photographer for the story insisted on it. So you know what? You're, you're, I did it wrong. You were smart though, because like I, there's been a few times like Brian and I years ago got Gary Oldman for an interview, and he came into the Seven Ten Studios for this. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I was like, man, we should have gotten a photo with Gary Oldman. Like sure. you know, like we we should have. Like it and the thought we, crossed we my do mind. Have one though with, with uh, Danny, Danny Trejo. Trejo. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he came in studio too. But it was like one of those things where I I thought about it and then I felt like embarrassed to ask. And like within like five minutes of him leaving, I'm like, man, you should have, because oh, he would have said yes. If they kind of if they're coming in studio, yes, right, they have to assume that there's like we should have. It was actually dumb yeah. not yeah. to. So yeah. we did this but, right. But so yeah, good like, for you. Yeah, I, I just you know my wife convinced me to put them up, and I'm like, you know, it makes sense. So I put up some personal ones, like the wet, the wedding photo from Dan's wedding, and just like there's some other ones. There's like one with me and Dan's mom. Uh, you know, we all know Poppy, but nobody knows Mommy. Uh, and uh, she's actually, you know, she's the boss, is what the way I would describe. Always are, yeah. Mommy, yeah. like, because that's the smarter way to handle it. Yeah, it just is. Um, 
right. Well, we, we, this is exciting. After Thanksgiving, we've got something to do. We got it. We will revisit these things. And, and good Lord, Florida is a very fertile place. Hopefully it doesn't provide a certain amount of shit, a certain type of shenanigans in between now and then. Um, but we'll see. We're not doing a show on Tuesday, by the way, everybody know we're not doing a show on Tuesday. I've got other shit I'm interested in. <laughs> just okay. we're just not doing this show. Yeah, actually, anyway. honestly, I think all of us should take a break on Tuesday. I remember the the late before we lay the Lakers uh happened to be playing a game the night of the 2016 election. And I remember Brian and Travis and I were doing the post game and we were like, our job has never felt more stupid and insignificant <laughs> so why than this here? moment as we're breaking down some insignificant game against Dallas as for like Donald Trump just got elected like a 14 win team as Donald Trump became the president of the United <laughs> it just, States. It was ridiculous. It was the stupidest thing. Really dumb. <laughs> um, so yeah, no show on Tuesday. Tomorrow though, uh, Ted Wynn is going to come on. Great, great NFL writer at the Yeah, Athletic. I love him. I follow him. Yeah. yeah, he is a great follow. Has a great story this week up about um, with uh, Jordan Rodriguez, who we also love about uh, what Staley's doing with that defense right now, why it's played so well. Farley Elliott from Eater LA is going to join us on Friday for a fun show. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun there. And we'll just talk food and we'll talk all kinds of... He's a sports fan too. So uh, George Sedano from uh, the ESPN, I believe. Uh, The The Uh, four-letter network as some Thank you again. This was fun. We appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys stay healthy and stay safe and your families as well. And I will talk to you in a little over a month. Sounds Absolutely, great. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Stay See safe, you man. See you.